I'm Prokagalia, and this is An Aromatic Life. Today I have a very special episode for you. Have you ever wondered what it's like to live in a world where there are no smells? I mean, a world where you just don't experience smells anywhere around you. Not when you eat, when you shower, when you walk down the street. A world where you don't feel smells, you don't respond to them at all. Whether it's getting excited about fresh-baked cookies coming out of the oven, or talking to someone who, who you wish had popped a mint in their mouth before you started your conversation. And what if you not only lived in this world, but you never have known any other world? You've never known a world of smells. Yet you have to navigate in this supposedly smelly world that you know nothing about, all day, every day. Well, today I'm going to introduce you to a person who is dear to my heart. She's smart, she's generous, she's provocative, and what I think I love about her most is that she's fearless. I want to introduce you to Dia Klein. She's a comedian, actor, public speaker, paleo chef, and rule breaker. Oh yeah, and she happens to have a condition called congenital anosmia, meaning she was born without the ability to smell. I've known Dia for about one and a half years now, and last year we both became ambassadors for the UK charity Fifth Sense, which supports people living with different kinds of smell disorders. I've learned so much from her, and hearing her stories about the lifelong experience of living in a world without smells has taught me so much about my world with smells. I think you'll find my conversation with Dia eye-opening. If there's one thing that I've learned through our friendship, It's that it's critically important that we walk in other people's shoes now and again, that we open up our minds to seeing a different perspective than our own, that we don't get stuck in our perspective and assume that everyone experiences the world like we do. The truth is, most of us live in a smell-privileged world. It's estimated that approximately 1 in 10,000 people are affected by congenital anosmia. The number's unclear because a lot of cases don't get reported. Needless to say, it's a small but not insignificant percentage of the population. So while we might live in the same world, we navigate the world in two worlds, one that includes smells and one that doesn't. We talked about what that means when she first realized that there was this thing called smells. We'll go through our childhood, her 20s and 30s, navigating dating and becoming a mom. We'll talk about her curiosity for the fragrance world and her obsession with armpits. She has lots of eye-opening and frankly funny stories to share. But I don't want you to underestimate Dia. She's got a message to share, so listen closely. I think you're going to learn a lot. I know I did. This is a longer episode because there's a lot to share. So grab a seat on the couch and enjoy our conversation. So I want to start with how I first introduced myself to you, Dia, or how we first met. Do you have any recollection of when that was? Um, I do. I, I remember. I remember it exactly. <laughs> you do? <laughs> I do. Do you tell? <laughs> it was on a social media page, and I commented on a post you made. And just so you know, you weren't the only person I would comment to. <laughs> okay, good, good. But, but you said something that struck a chord in me 
specifically, I have a chord that gets struck easily when people tell me that they, it's like when you mansplain my life to me. I don't, I don't like mansplaining on any level. Right, right. No, neither. <laughs> and your post had a bit of a quality of mansplaining for me as okay. a, a congenital anosmic. And I, I think politely and succinctly responded to that in a way that I felt left it open as w and not closed off. Okay. Let me, let me tell the listeners what it was specifically. So I had this post. I like to have people be reminded of how important their sense of smell is if you can smell to use it actively. And so this post was about why our sense of smell is so important, um, how important it is for your safety and how it enhances your taste, how it gives you memory. And then I said, and your sense of smell is directly tied to your quality of life. And here's what you said, Dia. I'm going to read exactly what you wrote. <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree. My quality of life is high, capital letters. I think there may need to be a bigger conversation about perceived less than abilities and the relationship to enjoyment. I'm sure no one would say that a blind or deaf person doesn't have a high quality of life or enjoyment because of their disability. Smell is simply a small part of quality of life. <laughs> and I have to tell you that comment shook me to the core. Honestly, we had a lovely exchange after that. You were so kind in your comments, but it really shook me and, and left a pit in my stomach for the rest of the day, I have to tell you, because I felt ashamed that I hadn't even considered your perspective, that I was ignorant about your perspective. And I think I was just mostly hearing what those who've lost their sense of smell were experiencing up until that point. Those who have acquired anosmia, that's what I had been exposed to. And what I've learned since then, what I've come to understand is that living in a world where you don't experience smells, where you've never known what smells are, is very different to having lost the ability to smell, right? So we're gonna, oh, get, in yeah, we're gonna get into that. Yes, yes, we're gonna get into that in a minute. but. So the reason I wanted to have you on my podcast, first of all, is because I think you're awesome and everyone should get to know your awesomeness and they will. <laughs> I promise you, you guys are gonna get to know Dia Klein's awesomeness. But I also want people who are listening to understand what it means to navigate a world with no comprehension of what smell is, right? You're living in this world surrounded by people who understand what smells are, who can smell and where smells are just all around us. And as you've clearly pointed out, you still have a great, wonderful quality of life, which I think is great. And one thing I've learned from you and also through reading is that for a person born without the ability to smell, this idea of smells is an abstract concept. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And you've had a lot of years now in this smellful life <laughs> that you're surrounded by. So let me ask you, at this point in your life, after all these years, I'm not trying to say you're old, by the way, but after <laughs> all of these years, what do smells mean to you? Tell me what smells mean to you. From my perspective, listening to a world of people who smell, I perceive smell to be an annoyance. 
Interesting. Most of the comments that I hear are in relation to that stinks. That's awful. Ooh, gross. What's that? I rarely hear people. Oh, that smells so good. And it's usually if you hear that, it's because somebody has their nose buried in someone's neck or a bouquet of flowers. So for me, my perception of smell is just annoyance. I don't understand why people are obsessed <laughs> with it because it's just everyone is so angered and annoyed and determined. That's the, that's what maybe that's like the world quest is to eliminate the bad smells. I think that might be like number one human priority for humans who smell. Eliminate the smell. Okay. But I think you're right. There's something there about how it's our natural instinct to just respond to bad smells. Nobody is actively consciously walking around going, Ooh, that leaf on that tree smells good. Or as they're walking down the street, this smells good. Or I'm cooking my food. Oh, that smells really nice. You're absolutely right. It's only when there's a bad smell that us smellers are typically commenting. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you guys will stick your head out the door be like, oh, smells like rain, right? Okay, okay. So we've got weather perception okay. tied to, to smell, which is kind of cool. In he, where I live in Colorado, you'll hear people sniff, well, you'll hear them exclaim after they sniff the air, smells like snow's coming. And I'll say, how do you know that? Well, it smells like the stockyards from Greeley. Interesting. Okay. which just means the storm front pushes is pushing down from further north from the stockyards and manure is the smell of it's gonna snow oh wow <laughs> Interesting. again it's a negative it's a negative right? i'll just wait till i see the snowflake come on right, right right so interesting so let's go through i thought we could go through kind of the beginning let's start with your early childhood up until today. And then I have a couple of other things I wanna ask you, but really let's start from the beginning. Tell me your first realization or maybe your parents' realization that you couldn't smell. When was that? I have a incredibly clear memory of this moment. And I talk about this moment all the time. Mm -hmm. I was four years old. Okay. And I remember walking into my house with my father and brother. We'd been gone. My mom was at home and we walked through the front door and both my father and brother exclaimed spaghetti for dinner. <laughs> and, I, I, and you couldn't see the kitchen from the front doors, not no visible path. And I just remember thinking, what is this magic trick? What are you talking about? How do you know we're having spaghetti? And my dad said, just breathe in through your nose and smell. And I, I just remember that because it was also repeated to me throughout my entire childhood, very unhelpful advice. Just breathe through your nose and smell. And I just couldn't understand what in the world that meant. Right. All I smelled was warm air. Okay. And throughout my childhood, my parents believed me with mm -hmm a lot of disbelief. Right. Oh, you're not concentrating hard enough. Just keep trying. Just breathe deeper. And 
I was taken to a doctor, I want to say when I was in the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing he wasn't uh, ENT, ear, nose, and throat. Mm-hmm. And he looked at my nose. Oh, yeah, well, it looks swollen. Yeah, her nasal passages look swollen. Here's some steroids. Oh, wow. And my parents were like, mm, I don't know that we need to be giving a fourth grader steroids. Right. You're about 10, right? Fourth grade. <laughs> yeah, like nine, years yeah, old. nine years old. Nice. And it just kind of let go at this. It was just like, oh, well, um, I guess Dia can't smell. Still, maybe she'll grow into it. But interestingly enough, there was never a connected conversation with my relation to taste. My, I, I will give my parents credit for that, for absolutely understanding that I could taste. Okay. But I was saying I couldn't smell. Right. But they didn't know what anosmia was, right? No, 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 no. No one, no, doctors don't know. Right. Nobody doctors knew. didn't know. Nobody knew. <laughs> Nobody. And it was really just a matter of thinking that I'll grow into it, which is so irresponsibly ridiculous if you think about it, because nobody says to a blind child, just just concentrate, look harder. You, you can wow. see it. You're just not, you're just, you just don't know you're seeing something. Just look harder. Right. Like, that's, that's a, nobody would do right, that to right. a child who's blind. No one. Wow. <laughs> and it's- so I was, I, I was, accepted and it just became a thing it just was a thing not not like a thing as in oh but just like oh right dia has brown hair and she says she doesn't smell wow okay but you just got on with your life right i just got on with my life yeah yeah it was irrelevant to me so in school though you know when you think about it a lot of kids they like to make comments about you know fart jokes or Mm -hmm. burping or I don't know smelly pens markers did that come up at all oh yeah well absolutely and the biggest mystery to me from my childhood from school the biggest mystery that I was obsessed with were scratch and sniff stickers interesting okay I I remember getting them like as the reward for good schoolwork or through the scholastic book program, you could get stickers. And in the 80s, stickers, scratch and sniff stickers and stickers in general were a big deal. It was like a thing. Oh, I remember. Yes. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember thinking that it was a real shoddy product. These <laughs> goddamn scratch and sniff stickers. This is this is a real cheat kind of a product. Right. Because I scratch them, there's nothing there there's no smell. And then I would think, oh, my friend, she got one that works. So I would go to her and I'd say, I'll trade you. Yeah. I haven't even, you know, here's mine. And she'll trade me hers and I'd scratch and sniff. And I'd think, God dang it. She's took all the smell out. They only last for one smell. Yes. That was my Meanwhile, everybody else is talking about, oh, this smells like banana or this smells like strawberry or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you guys ruined it. You took all the smell. Scratch sniff's only good for one scratch and sniff. Like I thought smells dissipated that quickly. I thought you would react, oh, gross or "Mm, yum. And then people didn't say anything anymore. And then I would 
assume that the smells went away. Okay. Like magic, like smoke, like eventually you see it. And then eventually there's no more smoke. Right. I thought smell was like, as depicted in all the cartoons from my childhood, smell is depicted as, as a puff of smoke. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And when that puff goes away, I thought smell goes away. So with farts, um, it took me a while to even realize burps really actually smell, but because <laughs> it's a sound, it's also a sound, right? So you, you it's a get, sound. It's just yeah. feels good. But with with farts, farts are complicated. Farts are <laughs> utterly complicated because more than half of the time, I think uh-huh. they don't smell. They're just sounds, and only people are commenting. Yeah. Or people will be like, oh, I thought that one was going to stink. Or they say, you know, silent but deadly. That one didn't sound, but it really stinks. And oh, that one made a big noise. Can't smell anything. It was just air. Interesting. So I don't understand. Like when I fart, I kind of feel like I'm playing Russian roulette. Like, oh, was that a stink (laughs) one or not? Uh, Nobody said anything. (laughs) Right, right, right. Oh, wow. So did you learn when you were in grade school did you learn to just pretend did you pretend that you could smell or you just avoided the conversation and were just curious and listened to everybody else talking about it you know I think about that and I try to remember what I did to comply I I never lied about not being able to smell I feel like I just jumped in as I think most congenitals do. They just kind of jump in and just, uh-huh, yeah, that was a good one. Oh yeah, gross. Ah, whoever smelt it, dealt it. Ha, I never smelt it. Right, right. And it's just, I, I think, I feel confident in saying I absolutely participated. I, I was not a shy kid and I was never embarrassed by my inability to smell. I had bigger problems that I had to worry about that were bigger embarrassments. My lack of smell was so irrelevant. Interesting, okay. So that's school, but at home, when your mom cooked foods or your dad, don't wanna assume anything, uh, but eating foods when you were a child, obviously you never had your sense of smell and a lot of what we eat is related to flavor and your sense of smell. So you have taste, but as a child, first let's talk about just experiencing food as a child. We eat pretty basic foods as a child typically, right? So did you eat whatever and just- I, I did not eat basic food. I grew up in a family rich with culture oh, nice. and world flavors. I remember Good. taking pesto pasta to mm-hmm. school and people being like, why is your pasta green? <laughs> of course. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, it's so delicious. Right. Yeah, it is delicious. But yeah, I can see as a kid, everybody just eats the basics, mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, right? Yeah, no, I was definitely raised with a world palate and there was zero consideration for me not smelling because I can taste. And so all the food was, I either liked it because it tasted good or I would refuse to eat it, say like lentil soup. Okay, why? Gross. It's yummy, but you know, I understand. Is it, it just the texture? Like, yeah, it, 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 well, it's a flavor too. It tastes like clay. All mm-hmm. the beans, all of those like 
pintos and blacks mm-hmm. and sure. specifically lentils. They taste like clay. Uh-huh. Good. It's just like, <laughs> a, um, give me a green bean. <laughs> Yeah, it's got a little crunch. That's true. Um, (laughs) So when you, you know, as a child, so foods weren't a problem, school you kind of took care of, but there wasn't a lot of awareness or education about congenital anosmia for kids or for parents for that matter. And it sounds like not even for the doctors. So if you look at today, do you wish pediatricians would do a smell test on children like they do hearing and vision tests? Yes. And I am aware that it is a thing they can do. Like it is something that can be developed that can be tested on. I don't know if it's newborn or young children, but absolutely that should be taken into consideration. I know we're a small percentage, less than 1% that, that we know reported of the world, but blindness isn't that popular. <laughs> I don't exactly. know that deafness is that popular. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it should be an easy fix, so to speak, or it shouldn't be that hard to add it. There's enough yeah. small tests, you know, the, the quick tests that are available that you could do. I agree. Because there's just so much, and it's not like I could say, oh man, my childhood would have been better if I had only had awareness. It, it, it's not that at all. It's just more of, the awareness brings larger conversations and, and more belonging and society is more aware and accepting and just knowledgeable. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So if there's somebody listening today who might wonder if their child has anosmia, what do you think are some telling signs for them? I actually, that's a really great question. I was watching a video maybe nine months ago and it was this family, ironically in Colorado, and they were doing a sustrumming taste test. And sustrumming is the world's stinkiest fish. It comes in a can, it's from Sweden, and it's apparently just putrid smelling and you can just irk and heave and vomit just from the taste of it. It's hard to get close to it. And it's just really apparently toxic smell. And it was this family doing a strumming taste test. And it was a mom, dad, and two girls. One was a little girl and one was a slightly older girl. And the dad is opening the can and just the puncturing of the can, the fumes waff out. And you can see the mom and the dad and the older girl start reacting and you can see the little girl just observing. And as they go through this taste test, the further they open the can, the more it bubbles out. When they try to pull it out of the can, when the dad tries to taste it, mom runs away vomiting. The older girl starts heaving and the little girl is just observing. And I can see her starting to mimic the the behaviors and the words, but I never see her react to the smell. And I was watching that and I said to my partner, Mark, I said, I bet you that girl has anosmia. 
Interesting. Look at her. So, so to answer your question, it's awareness. It's that critical eye. It's the same way you would notice if you think your child needs glasses. Well, they're squinting all the time. She sits really close to the TV. She doesn't like to read. She gets headaches. It's the same kind of awareness that you can bring to anosmia that you bring to any kind of sense that you feel yourself or your child might need an aid in. Right, right. Good. Thank you. I hope that helps somebody. So let's go to the next period. After your childhood, you're in your 20s now, and you're a young adult. I'm assuming that you're at some point you're on your own, right? This is the first time you're going to be living away from home, and you have to navigate the world differently, I imagine. At home, your family knew you had anosmia and they could be there to support you in lots of different ways. They could be your designated nose, so to speak. But out in the real world, you had no designated nose, nobody to help you smell at the beginning when you first got out there. So you're surrounded by all these people who can smell and presumably they don't have a clue about people who can't smell. Most people don't. And it's an invisible disability. So it's not obvious that you can't smell. So what was it like to live on your own for the first time, whether it was in college or whenever? What was it like when you first got out there into the, into the world? This question made me laugh because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't live on my own. I wasn't, I wasn't oh. rich enough to live on my own. Okay. I always had roommates and boyfriends and then a husband and then a child. And it oh. wasn't until my daughter left for college that I stopped, froze, looked around, and realized, oh, I'm living on my own. <laughs> okay, well, it did happen at some point. <laughs> it did happen. It was it was recently, but it finally it finally did it did happen. But when I lived with my roommates, and I only did roommates for a short while, and then I just did boyfriend and then husband. Everyone knew, and okay. I, everyone kind of gets the starter pack of living with an anosmic from me which is like, okay, so listen up. I can't smell. You're going to have to tell me if something smells. If my cat poops somewhere, pees somewhere, I'm going to I'm not going to know. You're going to have to tell me. I'm a fire hazard. You're going to have to tell me if there's fire or smoke, right? And so it's just kind of this awareness that I would prep everyone with, which doesn't mean they would remember or retain. It just was laying it out there and letting them know that A, I don't care. And B, if you care, you need to let me know. Okay. Good. Did you have any gas leaks or fires or spoiled food situations? <laughs> yeah you probably had a lot maybe yeah. maybe one or two you <laughs> I've I've almost burnt my house down four times <gasps> four times four you'd think I'd learn okay you'd think I'd learn the first time was with a toaster oven and my right. laundry was situated in the same room is the kitchen and I I pulled my laundry out from the dryer and put it on my counter and I had a toaster oven 
where it didn't have a knob to turn it on. It had a push down lever yeah. and the weight of the clothes pushed down the lever, oh. which prevented the lever from popping up once the toast cycle was done. And so it just became this red hot fire oven with wow. clothes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, um, as, as a helpful hint to anosmics out there, I would suggest getting an animal, a cat or a dog, because it was, it was my cat that saved the house and me because of her meowing, her frantic meowing of like, dude, <laughs> do something about this yeah. kitchen fire. And I can't, I would not have noticed it. Um, you know, yeah, there was smoke, black smoke, but it's a big room. You have right. to get a lot of black smoke before you can see smoke, especially right. if it's just kind of subtly coming in. And so that started the first of four fires, all different ways of not noticing something. And then I gave myself food poisoning with pumpkin pie. <laughs> I didn't. How I didn't pie? Interesting. Well, not do you milk. know you have to refrigerate pumpkin pie? <laughs> yeah, I guess you do. I didn't think about that. But no, I, I didn't yeah. think about that. Before. Yeah, I, I now know you have to refrigerate pumpkin pie. But <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have a milk episode at all. Like oh yeah, of course. Milk. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've I've swigged um curdled milk Ooh. and poured it on my cereal and been like, what? Right. Gross. But I mostly drink almond milk, which is, yeah, you, you know, don't have to worry but, about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But as a child, certainly, and as a, a young adult who didn't realize I was lactose intolerant, I did drink milk and had plenty of curdled milk stories. Yeah. And do you, so do you look at expiration dates a lot? Are you always, are I do. You vigilant? Yeah. I, yeah. I do. But on the other hand, I know it's a crock. <laughs> like you can like, you can eat it beyond the day yeah yes yeah like like my egg, eggs last for months not not the two weeks before that expiration date yeah yeah but meat and fish i'm i'm very diligent about meat and fish for sure okay. and you said you you know you've always had somebody in the house who can also be there as your designated right. nose right okay. yep yeah which is helpful Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, so on to another subject that I'd be curious about is what was it like to date? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, keep it uh, G-rated. G-rated. No. Um, let's see. I was thinking about some stories that I could talk about <laughs> with dating. Here's, here's a great story. As a teenager, and I experimented obviously as everyone does with alcohol and pot not very heavily i i was very sensitive still am so i don't really do any kind of substance not even caffeine mm -hmm. and i 
was around all my friends who did like alcohol and did like pot. And when I was dating some of these guys, I couldn't tell if they were stoned or drunk. Like, is uh-huh. it safe to get into a car with this person? Because unless they displayed obvious signs of being stoned or drunk, which a lot of teenagers don't, they're really good at playing like stone cold sober. Yeah, like they're, yeah. they're calm and cool. And I remember I was with this guy who wanted to be my boyfriend. Ugh. And he, <laughs> he was chatting with me at this party and we were calmly sitting on a couch and he's looking at me like, hmm, Dia, yeah, right? Like he is into me. Right, and I'm right. looking at him like, uh-huh, uh-huh. and we're talking and I'm just feeling this vibe from him. Like he is just, he would do anything. I asked him, this guy really likes me. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden he goes, excuse me, and turns his head and he vomits over the, the back of the couch. Oh no. And then he's like, wipes his mouth. Where were we? Right. Like (laughs) I had no idea. I thought he was vibing on me. I thought he was like, Dia, where really he was just like, if I move, (laughs) I'm going to vomit. Well, he vomited. And then that just kind of cemented to me. Yes. I can't trust my perception of sober versus not sober. Ah, but I can tell you a plus of that situation was you didn't have to deal with the smell of that moment. That's true. Although he he tried to kiss me and I was like, for real? Oh. For real? Dude. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you moved on quickly after that, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, you said you have a daughter. So let's talk about being an anosmic parent. I imagine that comes with some unique challenges. Challenges. Yeah, tell me about that. Such challenges. Well, my my wonderful daughter was a great sport. And (laughs) she, as a baby, was in cloth diapers, which I loved, which are wonderful. I highly recommend diaper service to anybody, Mm -hmm. anosmic or not. But diapers that are disposable, have a great quality of wicking. They wick stuff away. Cloth diapers just get soggy. So when my daughter started eating food and introducing more acids into her body, therefore changing the pH of her diaper material, she would get these incredibly vicious incredibly harsh diaper rash sores because Mm. I couldn't, no matter what I did, change her diaper fast enough or often enough. Okay. No matter when I checked, how often I checked, looking for a soggy diaper or looking for a poopy diaper, I was just, I, I just never hit it. And so she ended up sitting in dirty diapers a lot. Oh, and she had really bad diaper rash. So I had to make the executive decision and I did away with cloth and I put her exclusively in disposable because those wicked away 
Okay. But but she potty trained like um <laughs> almost overnight. Good for her. Good <laughs> At for two you, years really. old. She was wow. like, done. <laughs> good. I'm out yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> does your daughter to the nowadays, does she ever forget that you have anosmia? No, never. She's the only one. She's the only one that never forgets she wishes I had more couth and awareness of my smells but she never forgets <laughs> that I that I, she's she's so disinterested she's so fed up she's so like god get a grip <laughs> move on mom move on just remember it smells but does it though really so it's, it's almost <laughs> like you have philosophical debates about it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> how about your partner, Mark? He's a designated he, nose for you. How does he, you know, how is he as a partner for you in terms of not being able to smell? He's, he's really, really, really good. He, when I was talking with him about this, he said, well, I do forget occasionally and I said, you do? He said, yeah, but I catch myself before I say it. And I said, okay. Ah. I said, cause I've never heard you vocalize your forgetting that I can't smell. He said, yeah, no, I'll catch myself. Unlike my mom. Oh my God, my mom. <laughs> She's your mom. She's been with you the longest. God, like just this past, well, I guess it was two years ago cause quarantine. She came to visit me for my birthday walks into my house, walks straight up to me and puts roasted hatch chili in my face and goes, oh my God, smell this. No. And I'm just like, mom, <laughs> seriously? And she looks at me and she goes, oh yeah, well, whatever. Astrid, smell this. <laughs> just like, oh. So my daughter's the best. Mark is second best and my mom's the worst. Maybe it's because she doesn't live with you anymore. So that's why she's forgetting. I don't know. Or she's trying to give her the old. benefit of the doubt. Or she's old. <laughs> Hopefully she won't listen to this. <laughs> she'll, she will, and she'll forget. Did you okay. say something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, good, mom. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. All right. So let's, that's kind of the, the different times of your life, right? So let's talk yeah. about navigating a world of smells, interacting with people. So I want to talk about this idea of people commenting on smells. So have you ever noticed how people will just make these spontaneous comments about smells they're experiencing in the moment? As you mentioned, especially bad smells, they'll say, wow, do you smell that? So what do you make of that? I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit, but. Yeah, know, I, I, I want to know, I, I wonder if it's like misery in communion, like everybody like, yeah, man, don't you smell how bad that is? Oh yeah, I do. Cool. Yeah. Smells bad. <laughs> right. Like everybody needs it kind like, of is like that though. It really is. You it know, really you is. Like, you want, we want to get confirmation. Like, am I smelling this or somebody else smelling it? Like I'm smelling it. Yeah, right. Maybe. And then you'll have the occasional person that'll be like, well, it actually doesn't smell that bad. Well, maybe my nose is off, right? It'll just kind of qualify. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I can't participate in the bashing of the smell. I'm a little, I'm a little less than, but yeah, I bet it really smells bad. Right. <laughs> but, but I have this, I have this rule in my house that it, and I had to make this a rule because it's happened multiple times. Okay. If you walk into my house and you tell me 
oh, something smells bad. Oh, what's that? Something, something smells bad. Yeah. Um, I'm going to charge you with finding and fixing it okay. because what, what good does it do me to hear you right, say, right? oh, that smells cool. And well, you think I'm going to bloodhound it out? <laughs> Come on. I have to tell you as a smeller, it's just a spontaneous reaction. It's so unconscious, so subconscious. It's, 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 it's like this unconscious reaction that you have as somebody who can smell. So I, I apologize it. for all smellers out there <laughs> that it's just, it's just, yeah, it's an immediate reaction. You which, even... which I get because like, if I'm eating something that's delicious, I'm going to be put a spoon of it in my mouth and I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> or that's right, right. too salty. Good, good God. Right. Yes, like, yes, I, I get it. I absolutely, I absolutely get it. And what's interesting about smells is they kind of sneak up on you from around the corner. They're not visual, right? And you don't hear, I don't know, they're, they're kind of, they linger from very far away and they hit your nose really quickly that you, you just make this instinctive reaction and go, oh, what is that? Well, it, so well that's see, that's how the cartoons depict it. <laughs> I think maybe I need to launch an initiative that smells come with a cartoon cloud because that is exactly how they depict it and say all the Tom yeah. and Jerry. You're right. Cartoons. You're right. I, you know, I never even thought about that, but I like that. I like that analogy. It's so true. Moving on. So I, as you know, you know me a little bit now, a year and a half now, but I was in the world of fragrances for 20 plus years. And I am fascinated by the fact that you love the fragrance community so much and that you love fragrances, that you really connect with that community. I'm, I'm very grateful that you do. And I'm curious about that because everybody needs to check out your YouTube channel, which we'll talk about in a minute. But on one, in one of your episodes, your YouTube episodes, you met up with perfumer Dawn Spencer Hurwitz and she helped you find your scent. And it's just, it's such a wonderful episode. Explain that to people. Explain to the listeners why you're so fascinated by fragrance and why you met up with Dawn to have a scent created for you. This is a, this is a great story. <laughs> good. I like good stories. But before Dawn, my interest in perfume is 0.000%. Yeah. Like, it's just a thing that I'm like, wow, you spend how much on what? Boy, you're a sucker. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing this series of videos for my Instagram stories called hashtag Dia Smells, where I just every day would just smell something and, and react like, duh, I can't smell it. Right. And after like the 20th, like, clearly we know you're not going to smell it. I was like, how do I make this more interesting? Right. <laughs> so it's the evolution of storytelling and how I want to educate and entertain with anosmia. And I decided, Hey, wouldn't it be interesting if I found a perfumer that would do a, a story with me, that would do a video with me and just kind of talk to me about what they're smelling. And then I'd smell and be like, yeah, no, nothing. Right. And, and <laughs> I, right. I Google Boulder perfumers because I'm not going to drive that far to right. not smell. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, I hear you. And Don's information came up and 
I remember her name from my book group that some of the women in my book group had talked about this Boulder perfumer who does customized scents. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's this woman. So I, I called her up and she was so gracious and so happy and excited to talk with me. She was, she said, I think my community would really get a kick out of your anosmic perspective. And I just went into the interview with fun. I just wanted to have fun with Dawn and bring awareness. And little did I know what a wealth of information and what a font of fun this experience (laughs) would become. Ah. So Dawn has synesthesia, which is the taste and color and smells are all kind of connected. So when she smells orange, she sees things and there's textures and it's just this whole body experience and not just a, a smell. Right. And I couldn't believe how quickly and thoroughly she got me. Like talking about tastes I like, talking about art I like, mm. talking about colors I liked. She understood from this hugely holistic point of view as to why I'm attracted to that and why I wouldn't be attracted to this fragrance because of my aesthetic in these other aspects of the world that I have strongly. And so like in telling her, oh my God, I love chocolate and cinnamon and pop art and the Renaissance and, you know, all these things. And she would just come up with these, okay, I think this scent might be interesting to you. And it's not that I could smell it. It's the story she told me in the colors, in the textures, in the larger world history in which it is referencing in the action that goes along with this smell. There's actions that go along with smells. Yeah, there are. (laughs) There are. Yes. (laughs) And then she would put it on me. She would tell me the story and she'd put it on me and she's a professional nose and she'd smell it on my arm. And she'd either be like, "Mm, your skin's too woody and it's making this not resonate. So I don't like the way this smells on you and you're not connecting to the story. So sorry, Michelangelo, Dia doesn't like you. Next. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so fascinating to just listen to her because I, for the most part, I understood the passion obsession with smell because it's a sensory story. It's telling a story of who you are wanting to be that moment, right? So she picked out for me a sensual, deep, spicy chocolate one. And she's explaining all the textures and colors in that. And she's like, that's when you want to get, mm, you know, <laughs> right. And I'm like, so I wouldn't want to wear that to, uh, you know, a lunch party. She's like, no, it would give off the wrong message. <laughs> right, right. <sighs> and so I just love the idea of storytelling with a scent and just having a really big picture explanation of what that scent is saying about me. And she took 
an immediate obsession with my hair, which is purple. Oh yeah. <laughs> and she said, you know, I'm going to design you a fragrance, which was not the intention. I, I never went in there being like, Hey, Don, give me my own fragrance. It was just, Hey, Don, let's play. And she was like, you know, I'm just really feeling this, the color of your hair with the light. This, this is my synesthetic impression based on what you've said, based on who I've seen, based on your hair. This is you in a jar, in a bottle. Right. And she, and she was like, Oh, yep that's it. And I had other people smell me and they were like, holy cow, that is amazing sense. And I get it. They would say, I get it. I get why that's you. And so you still wear it, I imagine sometimes. Um, absolutely. If I remember. Right. Of course. <laughs> I did. I remember I wore it to, oh, here's irony. I wore it to the last comedy performance that I had before lockdown. And one of the comedians was standing next to me we were talking and I forget when you stand next to someone that you know you exchange smells so she was standing next to me and she's like oh my god you smell amazing and then I like you know put out my arm and let her sniff my neck and she was like oh my god that is an amazing smell and so it was that was you know, but you, I think, tell everybody what your YouTube channel is. Let's just talk about that for a minute. Okay. So it's, it's Dia Klein, it, very easy to find. And it's lots of, mostly it's lots of fun videos and interviews about anosmia and other comedy bits and another, actually a really good video about my mom and a blood tattoo, but <laughs> that's a whole nother story. A whole nother story. Um, but I, in this video, so I want people to check it out because it's so amazing. Your facial expressions as Dawn is explaining things to you. It's, <laughs> I can just feel the, you know, the cogs, the wheels in your brain moving, trying to figure yeah. out what does this mean? Cause it is still an abstract idea smell. Yes. So yeah. just the way you're responding is, is really interesting to me. Your facial expressions. They're good. I get They're in good. trouble for those. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's good. They're vivid. They're very expressive. You're a very expressive person. I love that about you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I had a blast with Dawn and I just, she was my introduction into the smell community. She introduced me and through her, I got another big name in the smell community, Mr. Cologne 76. Yes. And he was like, I got to bring you on <laughs> because these smellers, these perfume diehards need to know about anosmia. That's right. And it's just been, it's been hilarious. It's been heartwarming. It's been so touching the outpouring of support from a community of people who are obsessed with smell to just be like, oh yeah. And that's Dia. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think what I can at least, I can only speak for myself, but having been in the fragrance industry so long, you're surrounded by people who can smell that you don't even really think that there are people out there who can't smell. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to make up for, for all the years where I didn't even think about that fact. <laughs> it's my mission is to have people really understand that there are people out there who can't smell, who've never had the ability to smell. So thank you so much for doing this with me, because I, I really want to bring awareness to the fact 
especially to congenital anosmia. I think not that acquired anosmia isn't any less important, but I think congenital anosmia is not talked about a lot. We are a wholly different beast. Yes. It is an entirely, it's like man versus woman. It's just different. It's wholly different. Right, right. So one of the things that I, I've been reading about, and I think you, you touch on here and there in all of the work that you do, is that we in society, right, we have these certain smell rules that we live by. Mm-hmm. these unwritten rules that everybody conforms to so that we avoid bad smells as much as possible right we want our house to yep. smell clean and our bed sheets our towels our clothes everything it all has to be really clean and then also our body so we could talk about all of these things but i want to talk about this unwritten smell rule specifically around personal cleanliness how we sh- our breath shouldn't smell, our hair shouldn't smell, our feet, our armpits, especially our armpits. So <laughs> tell me, about, uh, just in, before we get into the armpits, but specifically in general, when you think about a society that's so obsessed with being clean and, and I don't mean dirty, you know, physical dirt on the ground or, or stains. I mean, this idea of being clean, having the world smell clean and not have these bad odors since as you've learned or you've observed, we can't stand bad odors. <laughs> so <laughs> is it stressful to have to constantly think about whether or not you smell bad? Never, never, oh, good. never. I, I think because of my personality, because okay. I am always have been an, an actor type personality and I've never been one to shy away from hard questions and it is hard to embarrass me i i see the commonality and i don't see the need for embarrassment okay good i I don't understand the obsession i think it's unhealthy i think most of the fragrances that we are permeating our world with are unhealthy with all the carcinogens the chemicals it's so not necessary my goal that i try to promote in my awareness and in my education of anosmia is to take away the embarrassment. It's to just open up the dialogue and be like, hey man, does my breath smell? (sighs) Oh, it's not the freshest. Oh, well, is it that bad? No, I mean, you're fine. Just don't kiss anyone. Oh, okay, I'm good. Right. I I mean, why isn't it just like, hey man, do these pants make my ass look big? they're not the most flattering. Okay. Well, I'll throw them away. I mean, it's just like to talk about it, bringing it out in the open to put the light on something takes away the embarrassment. And I feel like if you're stressing about that, you're wasting precious time. You're wasting energy on a thing that is irrelevant and universal. But I have to tell you, Dia, when, when you can smell the odor it's just something I think that's just so ingrained in us in society that this idea that you you can't smell bad and it's it's there's a a great book that I've referenced before in the first in my first podcast episode this book Aroma Mm -hmm. which talks about the cultural history of of smell you know back in the day people didn't have deodorants and all that stuff so people just lived with smell but over time society changed and, and just 
basically we said you, you cannot smell. You need to be as clean as possible, as fresh as possible. And it's, it's our noses constantly smell, are smelling. So we smell bad odor. And I think it's going to be really hard for people to just turn that off. Yeah. Oh, we've been, yeah, we've been ingrained. I mean, speaking of back in the day, you know, pocket full of posies. I mean, that's how <laughs> you'd get rid of the smell, right? Is you yeah. just, I mean, that's what a nosegay is. You'd put your nose in it to give your brain a break from the putrid smells of the world. And I think the, the, the cultural response to bad smells is illness, lack of cleanliness, death. Yes. where if everything is clean, white and bleached and smells good, then everyone's healthy, clean and safe. Yep, yep. But, but I think if you go camping, I mean, give it two days and everyone is like, hey, well, nature. <laughs> then everybody accepts it, right? Yeah. It's a little bit, it's a little bit of a different context. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But tell me about your, so not that we're going to do a promotion here for a deodorant brand, but there is a deodorant <laughs> brand that you, I don't know, you're not working with them, are you? Or are you directly working with them now? Well, so Lumi deodorant is touted as this amazing new body deodorant that eliminates smell for 72 hours. Mm -hmm. And when I saw the commercials, which are witty and funny as heck. Okay, good. When I saw the commercials, I saw an opportunity. I said, they need me as a voice. <laughs> in the Lumi world, because they need my perspective as an anosmic, because I have no perspective. Any response I get to their product is going to be me shoving my armpit in your face, asking you to smell to tell me if it worked. So it's super honest feedback. So I approached them and I was like, hey, I'm someone you've never heard of, but someone you should. Yeah. And they liked this video I made uh, of with a smell test and they had me write a blog post for them about anosmia. So yes, they, I am affiliated with them in, uh, they did hire me to do stuff and I want to continue making videos. The anosmics, this was so mind blowing. And I was telling Lumi this, I'm like, listen, you have this relatively huge <laughs> comparatively yeah <laughs> like people fan base who are willing to take you at your word and here i am an anosmic telling them no really it works trust it they're going to blindly buy and keep buying and their partners are going to be the ones to tell them if it does really work and i've had so much feedback from anosmics who have thanked me for turning them on to Lumi. And unfortunately, Lumi does not ship worldwide because oh. I have a worldwide fan base. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, they're like, don't they, they don't ship to Turkey. I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh, you're gonna I'll have to set up shop. You. I know, I was gonna say, you're gonna have to set up shop at home. <laughs> I know, be a distributor for Lumi. <laughs> But um, it's been it's been really funny this uh, position of being the voice of anosmic authority on stink. Trust me, your butt and your pits and your privates won't smell because <laughs> I know because I can't. 
you are just such the perfect spokesperson for this brand. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I told him. That's exactly what I told him. <laughs> I want to talk about food for a little bit. So on your YouTube channel, you do a lot of taste tests and they're yes. really interesting and really funny. So again, guys, you have to check out her, her YouTube channel, but I want to talk about this idea of smell and taste. So we have five basic tastes, sweet, sour, bitter, salty, and umami, and everything after that, at least for us people who smell is flavor. That's mm -hmm. what we get from our sense of smell. And knowing that you don't have your sense of smell, but you do have your sense of taste, do you have a heightened sense of taste? I have to believe you do because your brain has adapted, you know, with the deficit of the sense of smell that it might have enhanced your sense of taste and maybe other senses as well. I, I call my sense of taste a pure sense of taste. Uh-huh. And I compare it to crayons. So someone who can smell and taste, they get the really cool, super awesome box of 95 Crayola brand crayons with the sharpener in the back. Like you're oh, the yeah. cool kid in school. Good on ya. <laughs> I show up with my off-brand Rose Art box of 12. It's still good. I still have colors. It's just different. I don't get 95 options of colors. I get, I get 12. Right. And within that, I have learned that so many tastes that the world says are tastes are not tastes. They are smells. They are flavor plus, plus taste. They're, right. So my sense of taste is just straight up pure taste. And I don't know why my brain mapped the way it does because not all congenital anosmics, A, can taste or B, can taste as well as I can. That's one of the weird ah. facts about congenital anosmia. It's like, we're not the same. You can't take my experience and apply it to all congenital anosmics. Um, so it just as a rule, as a general rule, you can say, congenital anosmics generally can taste. Okay. But the breadth of that is certainly variable. And I don't know, I, I've just learned through my love of food and eating how to distinguish tastes. And much to the chagrin of every medical professional, all my teachers, everyone that I've ever said I can taste but I can't smell, I actually can. I actually can taste. And oh, yeah. they would mansplain to me. Oh. Again, hot button. <laughs> oh, yeah. if you can't smell, you can't taste. I'm like, oh, Who are really? you to tell me what I can do? Yeah. Oh, challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Which that's is, kind of yeah. what I do. Good for you. What are what are the foods that you really enjoy and what do you really dislike? Well, yeah, we got the beans and the lentils. Yeah, we so, talked about that. We talked about that. <laughs> Foods that I love. You know, I love food, period. But I'll, I'll tell you about a food experience. I was in Las Vegas and I was at Emerald's. You know, Emerald Lagasse? Yes. Yeah. Restaurants in, who knows, one of the big casinos. 
And I sat there with my mom and ordered, I don't know what, jambalaya maybe or gumbo and, you know, some apps, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as I started eating the food, I started <laughs> not like when Harry met Sally orgasm moaning, but I just started, oh my God, this is so good. And then I started accosting the waiter. <laughs> this is so good. Do you know how good this food is? And you just, you know, yes, it is quite good. And come back around. I'm like, no, seriously, this, what is this? This is amazing. So I love good food and good food can be a terrific pizza. It can be jambalaya. It can be sushi. It can be anything. I'm not uh, going to put all my eggs in a basket of a singular food. Okay. But if I were stuck on a desert island, I would hope that there is chocolate <laughs> or ice cream. <laughs> Me too. I'll join you on that island. I love chocolate and ice cream. Those are favorites of mine too. <laughs> but you're a paleo chef. So yes. How did you get into, I mean, I guess there's probably a long story how you got into that, but so that obviously informs what you eat. Yes. Being paleo. Yes. And I did it from a health point of view, a health okay. perspective. I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, okay. and I had chronic pain from an accident and I'd been gluten-free for a while before that. And it was the revelation of what paleo does for your health that put me on the path for being a paleo chef and all my recipes that I create, whatever I cook, it really boils down to, does it taste good? Is it easy to make? Is it simple? <laughs> Will it fill me up? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not about this, like my daughter made an Anthony Bourdain Korean fried chicken recipe, 50 ingredients, oh, we'll only use wow. a teaspoon of this. And, yeah, yeah. and I'm just like, was that worth it? She's like, it's okay. And I'm like, so would you like some of my paleo chicken nuggets instead? I mean, it's like the same. <laughs> right, 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 right. Maybe it was just the conquest of being able to, you know, make one of those recipes. Yes. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. It's not an everyday kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So if our listeners haven't gathered already, you're funny. You're <laughs> really funny. No, you are. And 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 I know you're now a comedian officially, right? Yes. And I think it's actually perfect for you to be a comedian because what I know about comedians is that they're always observing the world and telling stories, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. as a comedian, you can really provide a unique perspective on life through anosmia. So tell me, how does anosmia factor into your love of comedy and being a comedian? Well, I'll tell you, it is, <laughs> as you said, that unique point of view. And when you get the courage to stand up on a stage and declare yourself a comedian and to get out into the world and put your humor out there in a stand-up comedy form, there's lots of lessons you start learning about yourself pretty quickly. And one of the big lessons is who are you? Yeah. Why uh, are you wasting your breath on saying something, right? Like, what's your point of view? Why should I listen to you? What makes you different? 
and through trial and error and going on stage and trying to discover who I am, why am I taking this moment, this opportunity to express something to a captive audience? What do I want to say? What's here's you got a platform. What are you going to talk about? And it occurred to me that the thing that I can talk about that is interesting, unique, but has a common thread is anosmia. And it's fascinating because when I start talking about it, it's not like half the audience gets it. It's right. like nobody understands what I'm talking about. Like, what? And then I start explaining it and we go through these fun audience participation, magic tricks and getting everybody on board with me. And then all of a sudden, because I've entertained them, right. I've, I've just educated a whole audience on anosmia who are now going out in the world who have like this cool bit of trivia. Oh, hey, dude, did you know there's this thing called anosmia? <laughs> like this, this woman, she like can't smell. <laughs> it's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. I mean, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine a better way to get the point across to, to us people who can smell <laughs> in a funny way and, and from a unique perspective. So keep doing you. Absolutely. <laughs> can we do a little quick response game? For yeah, oh. I, this is just, no, just really more fun because Obviously, since you are quick-witted, I think you're going to have good spontaneous one-word answers for these things. So I'm just going to say a word, and you tell me what a one-word answer, just whatever oh, comes okay. to your mind first, okay? Love it. First word is air. Clean. Feet. Stinky. Fresh. Clean. Shampoo. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> Musty. Sex. Coffee. Bitter. Poop. Uh, good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Poop feels good. <laughs> okay. Disgusting. Gross. Flowers. Pretty. Chocolate. Yum. Snow. Light. Cool. I mean, those were just the words. I, just, I wanted to get your response because I wanted to get a feel for whether you respond based on what you're hearing other people say about like air. A lot oh. of times people think of air through a smell, not always, but um, or feet, you know, they think stinky immediately. Right. So, right. And I would imagine you wouldn't think of feet as stinky, correct? No, but that's, the, but that's funny. That's my, my reflex. My, my, if I can um, correct that answer, I would like feet, the, the answer to be massage. There you go. That's much better. <laughs> I like that. No, no, there's no right or wrong answer. It just, it gives me a good idea of how much the world is influencing you. Peer pressure, peer pressure. Yeah, or, or just responding. It's not peer pressure. It's hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's not peer pressure. It's just, you know, just assimilating in society, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Good. So to wrap it up, uh, let's talk about life as a congenital anosmic. What do you want people who can smell to know about congenital anosmia? That we exist. That good. we are not lying. And we do require help occasionally. Okay. And to, to hearken back 
to the beginning of this conversation, I would like people to know that our quality of life is great. Now, this is interdependent of humans being individuals and your life may suck because that's your life, but not smelling it is, is not, not a reason. Yes. Yeah. In yeah. your life. Okay. Yeah. Is it a disability? Oh, yes. And here's, here's the big thing that I, I can't say often enough and loud enough. Having a disability does not make you disabled. Right. Having full ability doesn't make you abled either. Very interesting. It's, good. it's a good thing to think about. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, being disabled is wholly separate from having a disability. Like if you wear glasses or contacts and you can't see without them, you have a disability. If I took away your contacts and I took away your glasses and told you there weren't such, there was no such thing as glasses or contacts. Yeah. You have a disability. It doesn't mean you're disabled. It means you have a disability. Right. And lucky you, there's an aid for it. Interesting. So would you want to have some kind of a card that you could carry around that was recognized? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have no uh, opposition to it. I don't see what the negative is. It's not like I'm walking around, you know, Nazi Germany with oh, yeah, Mogan because... David on my shoulder, you know, like, uh, it's just like, it's a thing like, yes, I have diabetes. Uh, yes. I mean, but you know, I don't walk around with a card that says I have PCOS. Right, right, right. But I do think it should be in our medical files and that doctors should know it, know, you know, what that means. Like it shouldn't just be a thing like, huh, maybe she can smell today. Hmm. I guess I was thinking of the card. The card for me came up because I know that you did it's another video. It's a great video you have of trying to get was it a free pass to the national parks or something like that? Yeah, so the in the United States, the National Park Service has this pass called an access pass, which is available to anyone with a permanent sensorial disability. And I like to camp and I like to go into national parks. And what the pass would do is either give me free or reduced admissions into the parks or half price camping. It just depends on where you go. And I thought, I want to get me one of those cards. That yeah. sounds pretty awesome. But the whole point behind that was to get an official diagnosis. I lived my entire life without an official diagnosis and I needed one to get wow. this silly pass. And the there's two videos that chronicle my journey into getting an official congenital anosmic diagnosis in the hopes of getting this elusive free reduced <laughs> admission right, right, right. access pass which um but you know if you were in a wheelchair you'd have the same pass like it's not it's not singling me out for my disability it's just saying that i qualified i mean it could have been ptsd that qualified me okay. you know it's okay. it's irrelevant when, and that's, I guess, what I mean by getting a card. I don't mean it to be like something which sticks out like a sore thumb, but it gives you some, I mean, like you said, it is a disability. So you should have some accommodation for that. Right. And, and it's so funny because when people, as soon as you say that, everybody's brain went to a parking pass. Why oh. does she need a parking pass in her car? Because she can't smell. 
Like <laughs> everyone immediately jumps to the defense of the parking spot. You don't oh, deserve a parking I spot. I didn't even think of that. Sorry. Yeah, but you're right. <laughs> you're right. Which it's like, <sighs> so not what the game I'm playing. I'm, I'm right. not looking to take away handicap parking. That's that's a mobility pass, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. How can we, us smellers, how can we best support you as congenital anosmics? By, this is great. I made a, I made a, oh God, now I can't think of the word. I made a thing. <laughs> a list? No. I made, I made a list in order that makes a word. <laughs> oh, cool. I like that. So the word is her because females, awesome. Good. Women. Yes. So the, so the word is her. H for help, E for engage. R for a member. So help, help us smell my goddamn shirt. I'm not going to know if it needs to be washed or not. Just smell it. Smell my milk. Just help me. There's some things I need help with. Help. Right. Remember to offer the help. We are not doing it to punk you. We're not doing it to make you smell something bad. We're, we're trying to prevent ourselves from smelling bad in your little world where you like to find bad smells. <laughs> <laughs> engage, E, engage. Talk to us. Don't you want to know? Like, it's interesting perspective. Engage with us. Bring out some dialogue about what we're eating, what we're smelling. It's fun to talk about our differences. And then here's my big one, R, remember. Mom, remember. <laughs> <laughs> for god's sakes if we tell you we can't smell I, I i promise you it won't be different in 10 years just remember that we can't smell and it's okay if you forget but try to remember it makes us feel seen that is so great h-e-r well done i like thank that <laughs> thank you good. so on that note, what's not helpful to say to a congenital anosmic? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's so sad. The pity, the pity party. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, you don't need a pity party. No, I mean, again, you're going to go up to someone in a wheelchair? Oh, I'm so sorry. That's so sad you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who, like invisible disabilities don't get um, nearly the recognition that they, they should or the empathy. Mm -hmm. But it's just so not helpful to perceive that someone is having a bad life because of a visible disability or a, a disability that they've now revealed. It's like, how is, how is that ever helpful to anyone? Right. I mean, the, that's really, that's interesting. How long, have, how, how long has that been? Right, I mean, it, it, questions of inquiry do so much more good than useless exclamations of sympathy that just don't hit. Well, and then there's also the aspect of just believing that you can't smell. Yeah. Right, yeah. not saying, are you sure? Come on, you can yeah. smell that. Yeah, how about, how about poop? Oh yeah, I smell every, I can't smell anything but poop. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, <laughs> poop was nice. That was your word. It went with poop. <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> <laughs>
feels good. Oh my God. Farting actually feels really good. It's going to be an, an expletive episode. No, um, here we go. <laughs> All right. So if you could have a sense of smell, would you want it? No, no. Not necessary in your life, huh? Not necessary. And I mean, you could qualify it by saying you could give it to me if I could immediately remove it. But my, my brain is just so oriented and happy and working in its own world. If I introduced smell, I would be so afraid of the ramifications of that, the amplifications, the unwanted connections, the noise, the brain noise. Mm -hmm. Like it's just zero interest for me. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm not interested in like going to the moon. I'm not that kind of explorer. I'm not interested in turning that button on in my brain for, for exploration and see what happens. I'm fully happy with where I am, I am at and it wouldn't bring any benefit to my life. Okay, good. So to wrap it up, tell us where people can find you. I'm sure there are many people who are now very curious about you <laughs> uh, and they want to watch your videos and everything else that you do. So how can people get in touch with you and where can they find you? Oh, thank you. Well, definitely. I would, I would absolutely recommend you start on my YouTube page, Dia Klein. There's lots of really fun content on there. And if you want to kind of converse and visit with me on the daily, you can go to Instagram or Facebook, both under Dia Klein. My business is called SEO and my URL is SEO Life, which is complicated. So I'm just going to explain because <laughs> nobody understands it, but it's fine. So SEO is Hungarian and it's mm -hmm. spelled E-Z-J-O and it means you good. So my whole blog is seolife.com, E-Z-J-O-life.com. And that's where I do my writing. That's where I have my paleo recipes. Uh, I'm going to have to reformat it to really bring the anosmic content to the foreground. But basically, you can find me by just Googling Dia Klein. <laughs> Like I'm everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I'll put I'll put all of your your key links in in the show notes so people can also click on that. Awesome. To make it awesome. easier. And I would you. love to talk to people out there, anosmics or not, who have questions we didn't answer, that have a perspective they're wondering about. I'd love the conversation of anosmia and smelling and what that means. So I really like connecting with people. That's great. And you can also leave a voicemail on this podcast. So oh. if something was interesting to you and you have a further question, if I get enough of those questions, Dia, I can always have you back on and we can do oh, cool. a Q&A session. We'll see. But um, just know that you can also leave a voicemail through the, um, the app. So feel free to do that. There's a link in the show notes for that. But Dia Klein, I want to thank you so much for talking <laughs> with me today. It was a longer conversation, but I hope people felt like they could just be sitting, you know, on the, on the sofa with us, just having a chat. And thank you for sharing your story, for being so inspiring. You inspire me every day. 
And I'm so lucky that I have gotten to know you and I look forward to continuing to get to know you. And I want you to keep doing you, okay? Just don't ever change. You're awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh, thank you. Wow, isn't she great? What an honor to get to speak to her and to hear her story. I just want to do a quick wrap up as I always like to do. I want to reflect on Dia's story, her life of not being able to smell and having to navigate a world with smells. What that means for us who can smell. I guess the first thing it made me think about was that because I can smell, it means I can experience the world a little differently than Dia does. There are certain nuances to how I perceive things, how I take things in, because I have my sense of smell. I learned that we smellers probably do focus more on bad smells than good smells, which is kind of unfortunate because there's so many good smells to smell. For me, I'm going to try to appreciate the good smells more, and I'm going to call them out more, bring more attention to the good stuff. But I also want to reflect on the fact that I need to be more mindful of other people's experiences, to make a concerted effort to not mansplain my views and perspectives, as Dia so rightly says to not do that onto others. I'm not saying I shouldn't have a perspective. We all should voice our perspective, but maybe be less patronizing about it. I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode. Did it make you think about things a little differently? Can you relate to anything she said? Do you maybe have a similar story and you never knew anybody else who did? Send me a voicemail and let me know your thoughts. I'd love to hear. There's a link in the show notes to leave me a voicemail. So please feel free to do so. Thank you for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.